This is the Hustler Up Rogers. Yeah, it's fucking me. Yeah, and uh, listen to the fucking Hameen Media Group. That's Ben Hameen, Hameen Media Group from Rip Rogers. Go get him and go fuck yourself. <laughs> we got Jews in the house. Ding dong. Hello? Yes. Yo, Law, that's right, infidels. You know what time it is. It's time to blow up the spot here. Hameen Media Group, channelattitude.com, live on Twitch, live on Bin Hameen YouTube, remonetized. So get your super stickers, you scum-sucking morons, and rise and praise, stare into the camera, because it's the 200th episode of AEW Dynamite, Tag Team Supreme, the Sons of Allah, here, Hameen Media Group. <laughs> I could lie on the fire. What's good? What's good, fam? Big, big morning. Two-hour Friday locker room recorded this morning with Strangler Steve. You know it was a good one because it went by quick. RBV was supposed to be in the house, but got called into the track. Some serious racing going on today out there, obviously, in Ohio. So uh, make that money while you can, brother, no doubt there. And uh, we're they're working diligently uh, on getting overturned for the HMG discussion group. Group. To get back online. If not, we'll build a new one because that's what we do here is build things, build community, and they can't keep a good uh, bear cat down, as uh, I think the saying goes. So glad to be back with you guys. Uh, I'm just going to go solo because it's a big cannabis day. The final draft of our lease is in the inbox, and my partners are reviewing that now, 28-page uh, lease. It's been uh, a lot of work to get to this point, and uh, today could be a banner day all the way around. So Solo on the Dolo, Hakar Hameen, that's me. Uh, we'll rip through it uh, quick enough here today. Interesting that as we're about four weeks out from Wembley Stadium at All In, you know, big show I had here, announcing main events and whatnot, uh, but coming off a tough Canada run, a lot of criticism of uh, in-ring work in the last week, which that can happen to the best of us. I'm not uh, here to throw shade at the fucking the roster for being put in spots they probably shouldn't be in. You know what I mean? Because WWE does that. They sure as hell did it on their announced team on Raw. I'll tell you that much. Uh, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll break down what went down good, bad, and uh, there's a lot of uh, stuff I enjoyed on this week's uh, AEW Dynamite. I'm not watching Collision or Rampage, uh, but thankfully we've got the great HMG staff to cover that. So big shout out to Dr. Jeff Lippman, the vet, Chris Ams. Uh, everybody, John Enright, DJ Mass Effects, everybody chipping in uh, to to cover all the shows that there's no way in hell I would be able to have time to watch, nor uh, the sanity to watch them. Cough button. Uh, bing, bang, boom. And uh, almost that cough uh, stalled spectrum. It was so strong. Uh, but uh, yeah, man, it was uh, all right tuning in a little late last night. I missed the first uh, six to eight minutes. I didn't really miss anything because... I was having a great time with uh, my man Vinny Rue, Vince Russo, and Big Stevie Cool over on Vince's YouTube channel talking about the Vice Bash at the Beach. Uh, very interesting conversation with, uh, you know, name-calling from Bischoff, the strange uh, 
testimonials from Lance Storm, who wasn't even involved, and the talking foot Dave Meltzer uh, putting over that uh, Russo hurt wrestling. And the reality is the idiocracy of the five-star rating in the PWI 500 deciding with no uh, <laughs> credibility who's over in wrestling is what has absolutely destroyed wrestling. And it's those that are often pointing the finger that one way uh, are either too blind to it or they're a good enough worker that they know their shit is the what really stinks. They're really what's rotten in Denmark, and it's easier to – Try and scapegoat your way out of it. So uh, some great cheers last night. I want to say thanks to all the super fans who hung out, had great questions for us, and uh, it was awesome talk, man. It really is, uh, for me and my experience, it's all about me, don't you know? Uh, <laughs> to sit there even as long as I've been doing this and, you know, I don't get starstruck around Stevie or Vince, but I had these flashbacks of when I was a super fan, you know, and watching this stuff unfold and my best friend who's passed away now and like to see some of that footage had me flash back to my own living room then and Hoocher sitting next to me and uh, watching all that stuff, man. So to think 20 uh, some odd years later, here I am sitting with the, the most controversial and all I really wanted to be was a wrestling creative. Even back then in college, I knew, you know what i what my pipe dream was um it, it's uh it's interesting to me it's humbling and it's uh magical you know that uh, you can accomplish it it might not turn out the way you dreamed it in your head but uh it might turn out better it might be very close or it might make you go hmm this is a strange strange world and it takes 20 years of work to get to that point to be respected by your peers and i think that's true in any uh, thing you really want to undertake and, and become a, a, a pro at, you know what I mean? So that was very, very cool to me to be invited to be able to do that. And I hope uh, the audience had a great time for sure. But uh, <laughs> I see the chat room filling up 25 strong already. Hopefully you guys are having a good Thursday. Uh, we're doing the uploads, getting the shows done, trying to consult in some way behind that. And I offer uh, my most sincere apologies. I'm going to crank on a bunch of those this weekend. Uh, get them up and going. There's just not enough hours in the day for what I'm trying to do. And uh, even though I have great business partners and a great support staff and a great community around me, there just really isn't. I can, I'm a master of multitasking at this point uh, to the point that it feels like someone is tap danced on my fucking brain into mush by the end of the day, because uh, it's split into so many chapters and so many brands that aren't even wrestling related that need to be managed. And I, I love doing that stuff. It's just uh, sometimes you forget to breathe. Sometimes you forget to blink <laughs> when you're doing the promo. And, uh, you know, sometimes you even forget to eat. So I need to take better care of myself that way and stay on a schedule and, uh, you know, learn from my mistakes. But at the same time, uh, business, time is money. And uh, I try and eat up all my time with business, uh, be it creative, smiz, wrestling, whatever it is, man. That's what we're striving to do here, and it's been a good life, and I can't say thank you enough to everybody who's uh, helped uh, help me along the way in my journey from mentors to supporters, man. Very cool. A big shout-out to uh, my UWE students. I see uh, Brother Jonas is in the, the chat as well. Came in uh, on Tuesday after an, uh, probably one of the, I say this every week, one of the biggest cannabis days, but reviewing these leases, these 28 page leases are just a, just a serious, serious undertaking. And um, with all the, the legal language and, you know, revisions and all that stuff. And 
they had an early birthday present for me. The boys chipped in and got me uh, an, an excellent, excellent wrestle buddy custom, uh, you know, little Hameen. Uh, let me see here. Bring that up. Oh, my. Oh, Instagram, you stupid bastards. And uh, yeah, very, very cool of, of the guys. I still, I still got it in the plastic upstairs, but uh, I mean, all the details and it's not one of those, and not that say if you get a smaller one that, that there's any less if you're a smaller, I got the big one, pal. They, they gave me the, the big bastard arm hair conspiracy horseman gauntlets from Steve, the shoe man shirt from pro wrestling tees.com. It's even got the, the, the spikes on the boots. And uh, we had the, uh, <laughs> the card with uh, the uh, ransom letter uh, type on there. The boys went all out, and really, the the makers of that son of a bitch, you couldn't, you couldn't. I mean, how could you? They got the face right, you know. So, very, very cool, man. And now that that one's made, I guess I can order more. And those guys uh, spent their hard-earned money, and I know as students, uh, that that shit can uh, be tough to come by. <laughs> Hard-earned money, especially when you're spending on your education, your gear. But they showed great uh, respect, love, and appreciation, and that was a very humbling thing. At the end of a day, where <laughs> it was one of those days, you know, I was probably walking in with half a fucking moose on my face and uh, just uh, just uh, beaten down by the the day's events. And those guys really lifted me up. And then uh, I made them bump and kick the shit out of each other. So <laughs> uh, I don't know if there is a link to just straight order. I'm going to find out about that. I wish they had the pro wrestling tees model that once you paid for the setup that fans could just order them and I wouldn't have to pay for the overhead. But I think this is going to be a thing where I got to spend 500 bucks to get 10 of them to sell them for 10 bucks over to make $10. You know what I mean? So if not, there'll be good Christmas gifts and, and everything else, man. But uh, definitely we'll, we'll take a look into that. Unfortunately, <laughs> that's how busy I am. I can't even think about looking up uh, what's some cool merch that I could do easy to make a quick flip because my every day is just filled with constant, constant, constant biz here, even testing out new vapes from heavy hitters. That's part of my job now. Don't you know, I get paid to vape. <laughs> but uh, yeah, big, big shout out to Johnny Sigs, John Signorelli, brother Jonas, and all the, all the great uh, dudes over there. It's uh, upstate wrestling. I always want to say experience uh, entertainment. <laughs> oh man uh but yeah some things last night uh aew first off congratulations to aew 200 shows people can scoff at it and we can do a worst of countdown or best of countdown or some things that uh you know have, have changed uh dramatically between you know when you're first crapping in your diaper and now maybe you're <laughs> a toddler all right that's what it feels like maybe we made it out of our terrible twos so who knows yet as we're four years into this uh, new company experiment. And uh, it was a big night in announcements with uh, the elite saying that they've re-signed. So that is huge going forward there. That shouldn't be, uh, I mean, there's always the talk on the sheets and we've had that discussion of, are they burnt out on uh, being office guys and just want to be talent and want to bring that WWE dream to reality that everybody that's in this business now had to have. There's no way you can't be because of the generation of it. And, um, but they're sticking with their guns. They're sticking with who brought them to the dance and, uh, and good on those guys. I, I'm sure they signed major, major contracts for major money. And, uh, 
I'm all the stress that goes along with it. I'm sure it's not, they're not getting a free ride, <laughs> you know, that they, they got to deal with it. And, um, and, and congratulations to the Bucks and Omega on that. And congratulations to Dark Order, too, who also resigned, I think, three year deals. So, um, hopefully that gives uh, them some juice to, like, all right, we got to do something with these guys. And I was talking with Strangler Steve about how you can make Dark Order into Blue World Order, kind of uh, using satire. And that the biggest thing is that after WWE takes shots at AEW this week, saying they're the second rate promotion and uh you know not referencing them during the cody uh cody on the cock uh doc on the cock uh that you know khan's gonna get asked about it and he gave a pretty good answer he's you know i don't think we're second rate at anything we're especially in uh uk market we're a number one and in the key demographics what we're looking at we're uh above them and things and he didn't sell for it in the way i mean you got to answer the question but he didn't sell for it with a lot of emotion which is smart because before two years ago he probably would have when he was jumping up and down nine more days nine more days now we've got the opposite he's more like a a deer in headlights reading off a teleprompter and can't read can't move that so somebody needs to produce them a little bit better i'm glad somebody grabbed him by the shoulder gave him the vulcan neck pinch and goes come here brother you can't be out there looking like a mark doing that shit and but now we've gone kind of too far the other way so we need to find a happy medium and i'll talk uh i'll talk about that as the show goes on that way but uh i to go back to that if triple h is taking shots at fucking aew and AEW is the one that's in the position to really do damage towards WWE, especially with a goddamn IRS and FBI colonoscopy this week uh, and a spinal surgery and uh, a variety of other things. The Bobby Ashley lawsuit, the Monopoly lawsuit, all these things that would have been just <laughs> awesome targets back in the day for a Paul Heyman running ECW or an Eric Bischoff running WCW who were chasing Vince to take shots at him. Uh, this is where the big boys play, you know, all that kind of shit. Those t-shirts or the big boys play with themselves and, and, and all that shit, man. Like satire is the most powerful weapon in all of media. And when you're number two, you can take shots at number one to dethrone them. Number one, it has to no sell and act like it doesn't hurt. And then when they actually do sell, then you know you got them if they're firing back and forth. You turn a cold war into a hot war, you know. Uh, and AEW doesn't do that enough, and especially with their timing. I mean, Stevie's laid this out uh, brilliantly uh, on Russo brand about how Rampage or Collision, rather, should be at 7.30 to 8.30 on a Monday preempting raw and getting people to tune over uh into monday night football because you've got the synergy of owning the jacksonville jaguars plus your pre-show wrestling and you've got a captive 18 to 49 year old market that's going to tune in and if you make wrestling the appetizer for football now you're keeping them all in your wheelhouse and you've got the network that plays football games behind you so Again, it comes down to mistiming and, and nobody giving them that Vulcan neck pinch going, come here, buddy. I know you're an analytics guy. I know you love wrestling, but 
it's time to shoot bang bang out here with these fucking bullets especially if that's what they think about you and they're taking shots at you yeah you know sell that but in our creative we can use these characters to smash on these motherfuckers whether it was bwo doing uh you know the click stuff or it was shane douglas uh actually firing shots you know what i mean right on the mic so all that is very important and we're not really doing any of it and uh it's interesting with the cody thing uh we talk about that with the story which is yet to reveal itself the story is you smashed a chair uh symbolically saying fuck you to triple h on uh AEW now they're going to make you eat shit while they keep telling you don't worry the championship's right over there you're going to get it soon no <laughs> this is this is cutthroat wrestling politics and all that's in there and really they should be taking shots at Cody too I think Cody can take it you don't have to be doing mean ones but people should be referencing him saying he couldn't hack it and now he's over there and he's got nothing but L's he's he's the he's no longer the top dog like he was here he's just another uh you know, just another crayon in the 64 pack over there. So, I mean, they're behind them, but what do you want to talk about? Use take his catchphrases, use that kind of shit. You know what I mean? Get fake tattoos, put them on your neck, get real tattoos, I guess, put them on your neck if you want. But uh, there's a lot of things we could be doing. And I think missing the timing and missing the target is AEW's number one problem whether it's the release of the video game and there was an update with that story saying, Hey, thanks for everybody you bought. We're, we're up, we're releasing package uh, packages. So, or updates, whatever the fuck. So Aubrey Edwards, uh, Don Stevens doesn't go through the middle of the mat during the middle of the match. You know, it's a cute trick, but uh, yeah, all that stuff releasing the game in June alone, I bet they would have sold more in two days uh, between black Friday and cyber Monday than they would the whole month of June if they would have released in October. Now they'll be lucky to sell anything during those days because there'll be five games that are way more over and right timely and released the right way at the right time with the right promotion. And people will be like, are you getting the AEW game? Oh, I heard it's full of fucking bugs and shit. Well, if you download the new patch, I don't want to download the new patch, all that shit. Now you've got that on your plate because of mistiming and missing the target. But we're 33 and a third, 33 strong here in the chat. Shout out to all my uh, <laughs> uh, Masonic demonics out there. Um, so that, that just continues to be it. And also buying ROH, thinking RO, anyone's watching it. They're not. Rampage, putting Rampage on instead of giving ROH a TV spot. Another miss, another one, another one. So it's not that the, and then the work rate gets criticized too, you know, with Brit and, and whatnot, but anybody can have a shitty match. That's, that can be forgotten in a week, you know, if you don't sell for it on the internet, like a total goof, like they keep doing. But uh, the fact of missing the target and timing business-wise is inexcusable. It's inexcusable that nobody is being a mentor to understand that or that there aren't a bit enough business minds around that are saying, hold on, pump the brakes on this idea. This is the window of opportunity where we can capitalize the most. Somebody needs, they have it in audiobook, Sun Tzu, the art of war, <laughs> business edition, whatever you need. It's all on YouTube. I put it out in the background just to remind myself of different things all the time. They're not even close to following the basics of Sun Tzu 
when it comes to art of war business strategies of how to gain ground, when to attack your enemy, when to uh, plan your attack. Right now, they're dropping things at the worst time when the sun is the hottest or the winter and the snow is the deepest and coldest, as opposed to moving when the the climate and the season and everything is in your favor. They do the opposite of that. And I don't even think they realize it based on those moves because any businessman worth his salt knows this shit. Um, but we got into some business last night. It was a great time with the AEW self-help. Group. Group. Having a good time playing the tunes, having a smoke, watching the show. And it's fun to watch when, uh, you know, the, there's good segments. Uh, so there was a couple last night that I really enjoyed and was looking forward to, some surprises. And again, 200 shows, not an easy thing to do. That that means you've been on the road for four years straight and you've been busting your ass. Like now you're getting down and getting a little dirty and you've learned some hard lessons. The next four years, you might start actually having some good ideas and some good execution at a high level. After that, eight, nine years in, you start to get this business. But by that time, will he be burnt out? It's, it'll be interesting to see. Will the old man still be alive? Both of them, either cons or Vince, you know? So plenty of stuff going on. But I would love to see Dark Order be used as comedy to take shots at WWE. And I'd also like to see the Young Bucks get back to it at a very high level because that's what got the Bucks over. Strangler, Steve, and I talk about this is them ribbing the business, them being a knockoff of the rockers, of the click, the two sweet me, the macho man era, the Shawn Michaels super kick. <clears throat> All that stuff is in there, but we got to use it and turn it back up. When they were getting over as the cool guys on the indies, that's what they were doing. They were ribbing all these guys who were top guys and over. And even doing no sell on super kicks was an FU to like the old guard. There's a lot of stuff we could do with that. They could hit F5s. They could do all Brock shit. You know what I mean? And guys kick out. They could be doing moves on guys that they bury. So it doesn't mean anything. And then Brock's will, will mean more. But <laughs> Or they do it. They call the Brock spot and somebody gets out of it, you know. But I really enjoyed their match, and we'll get to it. Um, so I missed the first six or seven minutes of uh, this one. Uh, but let's get to it, you guys. We're kicking... Uh, uh, to show off with Y2J and uh, kind of Takashita, <laughs> Kanasuke. I don't even know what the fuck. Uh, Daniel Garcia and Sammy Guevara. They, they put his head between his legs and lick his nuts like he did last time, almost. Good stuff. Um, I guess that goes back and forth. Um, dancing leads to Takashita getting tagged in uh, as Garcia with a huge forearm strike. The cocky, the, the cocky pin as he does his dance with his foot on Garcia's chest. Jericho tags back in, connects with a backdrop. Takashita locks in ab stretch. Uh, we get the classic arm pull. Uh, they probably stole that from my last match. Uh, <laughs> and he gets uh, uh, as he gets involved. But both men tag out. Guevara comes in hot, clears the ring, diving to the outside. Shocker. Wipes out Jericho and Takashita. Pays tribute to Eddie Guerrero. Hits a frog splash. Because Eddie Guerrero totally knew who the fuck he was. Uh, but Jericho breaks up the cover. Jericho and Garcia brawl in the ring, but created distractions with Takashita. Hits the blue thunder bomb, and then the walls of Takashita, uh, or Takeshita, I guess is how they say it. So 
Uh, Jericho tags in, but immediately hit with a Spanish fly. Yeah, tags in, feeds, hooks him, Spanish fly off the feet. Why not? Jericho kicks out. Why not? Jer- Garcia tags in, but it's immediately dropped by a code breaker. Garcia kicks out of that, and he fights back with a flying kick. Uh, this time, Takashita breaks it up. Guevara nails him with a thrust kick and then hits a shooting star press to the floor. Somebody had to in the opening match, you know. Uh, Jericho aims for the juice effect in the ring, but Garcia blocks it. He manages to lock in the dragon tamer, but with the official distracted, Don Callis breaks that up by using Floyd the bat to smash Garcia in the head. Camera kind of missed a lot of shots tonight. If there's anybody who's kind of got some heat, it's the production cutter. They missed uh, probably four or five key shots uh, throughout the night, I, I saw. And even when I posed down ones, they couldn't cut fast enough. I was like, ugh. Uh, Jericho catches Callus and is shocked at first, but then goes to cover his uh, Jericho appreciation stablemate and wins. It's Chris Jericho and Konosuke Takeshita uh, as your winners. Um, I just kind of came in at where the Spanish fly was when I was watching. I was like, oh, walk in, take a Spanish fly. Why not? Fuck it. Um, but I didn't mind it. Mind it. Uh, and uh, I think I was waiting for the big run in. Todd Brantley's got it. Get me Suzuki goon. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but Jericho up and this is the long-term story and Jericho now facing Jericho appreciation society. Didn't get the heat on them wrestles them and it's Don Callis with the heel shot, but Jericho capitalizes good. I like that little business there in the long-term storytelling. I think that was a, a smart finish. I liked it. I don't like uh shooting star presses to the floor uh, when it's the opening match. Oh, yeah. Allah. Um, uh, Zane Vicious Suzuki Goon points as well. We got uh, some group mind going on in the chat over there. 37 strong is more and more join us here. And uh, thanks for everybody who subscribed using their Amazon Prime on Twitch. I know you get a free Prime subscription, so our Am- uh, excuse me, Twitch subscription with your Amazon Prime. So if you're using that on twitch.tv slash Hameen Media, I appreciate it. And uh, all the super stickers that we uh got, you guys. uh Thank you for for that this month too. Now that we're remonetized here on YouTube, uh, and last night all the super sticker question ans- askers uh, over on uh, Russo Brand, very cool. Uh, Tony Khan is then shown backstage, staring into the camera, where he introduces a video clip of AEW's history to date. Matt Menard then confronts Jericho backstage and says, "Next week." will be a mandatory Jericho Appreciation Society meeting. Dude, Matt Menard, this guy gets it when it comes to over-the-top character and commitment, and I don't even mind that he's doing top bears uh, most of the time, uh, Buffalo, Polish, uh, you know, <laughs> all that kind of shit that he's taken from. That could be his grandfather that you're pulling. He's pulling that voice from. I, I think it's fine, but – he goes so over the top with the visuals and facials when it's his time in the ring that when it's time for him to dial it back and be serious, it means that much more. And that's commitment either way to the bit. Um, I think I've been watching that guy since NXT when they were doing the morning coffee talk bit. I thought they got that over. I thought there was money on that for WWE, you know, just to have those guys there is kind of a they could have been Miz's right hand guys and redid Miz TV and had 
uh, a, a panel like the view if they really wanted to with those guys that morning coffee talk stuff so i think whatever you give um that guy he's gonna get it over bro uh, i'm an artist you give me a tube i'm gonna get you something out of it you know so um but was this where Khan uh, did his uh, thing or was it later? I think it might have been later, but uh, let's talk about it anyway, regardless of now and then or now and later, what have you. So much better than Khan jumping around like he's yacked out of his mind, uh, you know, saying nine more days and let's go, let's go and screaming like a fanboy and just completely oblivious that he's a billionaire owner and what the boys really look at him as when they see that that mark shit somebody smarting him up because in the last three four months we've had the change where he makes announcements and he's very um jack tunney-esque uh in uh, uh Im impartial uh just giving information being proud of what they're doing and representing the brand however it, because you know he may have whatever AD, I guess ADD, everybody's got it apparently at this place, Asperger's or some spectrum thing. You know what I mean? I'm not here to diagnose anybody, but, or just nerves and stage fright. He just stares in the camera. Not even, he stares at the teleprompter, which is off to the side. So he's not even giving us a direct view to connect to the camera right here and look either above it, at it, or right below it. Instead, he's over here look it off to the side and then try to be back. And he doesn't blink. Now, whether that's <laughs> uh, prescription induced or a, a tick that is because of nervousness. And I've, uh, as an acting coach, I've dealt with a lot of young actors who have a lot of want and energy that they don't know how to use or fear. And it manifests itself in physical ticks or stiffness. Yeah. Um, a variety of things, happy feet. Um, you'll see people walk in a half circle and then walk back again. You'll see that in promos in AEW or NXT. It's because they have a lot of energy and they they're spinning in their mind. Even I have a bad one when I'm on air, you guys will see it. Uh, you can go through probably almost every show. When I start getting in my head and thinking my eyes will roll up and go when i'm acting i don't i never do this i don't know why but when i'm here pondering as a creative and i'm just talking sometimes my eyes will just go up like that and i don't even realize that i'm doing it while i look up so there's um some very interesting things that our body mind can do you know uh that we need to be aware of to try and break those things especially if we're on camera and it's going to give people like what the fuck is wrong with this guy just staring he doesn't blink is he an AI robot, what the fuck is going on? Um, a lot of times young actors will grab one arm. They might put hands in pockets. They might become really rigid in their arms. They might, uh, what I call ride the pony, they'll put their arms up, slap their thighs. When they come down, they'll do thigh slaps. You know, um, some will do happy feet. Some will come forward, grab the rope for an anchor because that's like, okay, I'm safe. Uh, we've been hit by the Titanic. Now I've got something to float on. Um, all of those things are young actor problems uh, that, that is fear manifesting itself in a, in a physical way. So with Tony, what I would do before we ever rolled tape, I, I would have him do it, have him do it just how he did it. Very stiff. Me like, how'd you feel on that, bro? And he's going to go, ah, I feel stiff. Yeah. So I go over, grab his arms and start shaking them out. 
shaking his whole body out. I'd shake him violent, not violently, but till his arms were like spaghetti arms is what I would tell him. Think spaghetti, bro. Not think cook spaghetti. Not right now. You're in the box spaghetti, real stiff and not moving. I need you to be fluid and let's shake our and and get our face going and get all these muscles warmed up. Right. And then have him talk about something real quick that he knows and loves that I know he's a professional on whatever it is like, Hey, I heard you guys were getting uh da 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 for Jacksonville. Oh yeah, man. He's close to signing. Uh, okay, cool. Let's go into the promo. So I take him out of his locked in zone that I got to nail this and I got to do it because that's, what's really making you stiff and rigid. Your want to do so good is overtaking the fluidity and the connection and all that's going out the window and we're not getting the performance we need. And to put him on camera looking like that, it's not as bad as jumping around acting like a fool, but it's not good either. You know, we're there. We just got to let, we got to teach him how to connect, how to be more personal. What does he know about performance and acting? Nothing, nothing. You know, he's never been trained, never been, in shows doing stuff, all that kind of shit, you know? So, uh, everyone said <laughs> that's points. Kelly Blanchard. Uh, sometimes it is the, the dogs of war. If I, if I hear the perimeter breach, but, um, now when I'm, my brain is so compartmentalized into so many brands, but when I'm thinking creatively, sometimes my eyes just automatically roll up in my head. I actually looked up, uh, uh, you know, for a while on that of what it actually means and, and why you do that, but it is deep thought. Another thing I do that uh, is kind of a newer trait. Uh, I didn't used to do it, but you'll see me on podcasts like this. And I was like, why am I doing this all the time? This L with my hand, I guess, because I want to be uh, out there with Soraya. But uh, no, like this uh, pose with my finger on my cheek and one underneath my lip. Uh, that means that you're actually truly listening intently to what the other person is saying. If it's a grip underneath the chin or on the side of the face. So some interesting body language study, which is a, a director and a character actor. Uh, we need to be aware of our instrument and what these things are psychologically saying uh, subtly under, uh, you know, whether uh, to our audience or to the character itself. And, and is it really taking away from what I'm trying to deliver as my message? And Tony's standing there like, dude, if you really wanted to do it, you should pan back. If you want him to be like that on camera at the end, you got to pan back and have me with an AK 47 pointed at him or a machete ready to chop him. Cause right now it feels like a hostage situation. Like he should pick up a newspaper with a date on it to, to make, make us know that it's still alive. Send the ransom and uh, you guys can get all, all in tickets. So, uh, you know, what do they do it? Uh, Nate Dizzle with the points too. What does psychologists say about scissoring? We're going to have to do a deep dive into that, Nate. That's going to take hours and hours of uh, video review. And I think you're just the man for the job. There's a couple of websites uh, I can point you to. I mean, you just type in uh, scissoring and I'm sure you're going to get a lot of, a lot of videos to watch. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, man, I, I think it's an improvement but he needs to invest in himself and see what he looks like on camera. He can't watch that back and go nailed it. I really connected there while he's going and not blinking, you know? So uh, it just is going to take somebody who's an acting director to connect to him and him to let him trust him. And then that director needs to know how to pull a performance out of that guy, how to show him what a performance is first 
and what he's capable of. And then when the light bulb goes off, you'll see it and be like, there, that's where I want you to start from. Now, how do we, if that's our starting point after he gets it, where do we go from here? You know what I mean? And, and start to get more comfortable inside his own skin because we see that he's not. And some people, when that red light goes on on the camera, the blue light is here, dude, it, it can be the most terrifying thing there is, you know? So, oh, y'all, uh, y'all, uh. then we get a really great segment here. Uh, Jack Perry goes face to face with the whole, the new effing show, Jerry Lynn, which I was pumped last week that Jerry Lynn wanted to whip his ass. Then Jerry Lynn comes out and goes, you know, my neck's too fucked up from surgeries. And I'm like, yeah, that's why I was surprised you took the match. He goes, but you know, there is ECW guys that are active roster. And after we had uh, the Bubba Ray uh, tweets last week about him and Dreamer being great dudes that would come in and teach this young kid a lesson and put over the FTW title and all that shit. Jerry Lynn's the guy, step up, up, step up. But who's he bring out? RVD, and here's where I got to put Con over just because I'm a he, he was an ECW mark, and I definitely am. Soon as you hear that Pantera, respect, bro. Walk. Are you talking to me? It it changes the game. It's not one of a kind of the, the WWE ripoff versions. I mean, that was a cool tune, but if you're talking about fuck yeah, this is the original wrestling. You better roll that goddamn Pantera. And I'm sure he paid the price for it. And it made all the difference, dude. It made all the difference. So I like to see an RVD come out. I'm a big, you know, RVD guy for sure. Um, Artisan returns. I don't think you're wrong. He says, I need Katie Forbes and Anna J ringside hard cam fighting. Yeah, dude, sex sells. Both these guys got super slamming hot women. Why would, I mean, I, I know why you wouldn't bring them out here, but I hope. They get incorporated into the story, and we do get a Joey Styles cafe. And in fact, I would lay out the money to have Joey Styles on the mic to call this fucking match. And in fact, even though he was right down the road, they didn't use him. Not only would I have the girls, I would bring in Fonzie for for the big fucking match too to bring out RVD with the whistle and all that. Jack Perry's going to be distracted by it. If we're going ECW, let's go all the way. Fonzie, RVD, and bring in the girls to do the Joey Styles cat fight spot. Like that, that's what all needs to be in there for sure. Um, but Rob looked great. I thought Rob cut a good promo. I mean, Rob really not known as the promo guy in wrestling. And that's just kind of cause of his stoner cadence, but he got all his stuff over and got, got it in. You know what I mean? I could have used more from the <laughs> fanboy audience of AEW. I wanted the whole, once once you've been in an ECW show and you're doing the respect walk, you know what I mean? Like really that that could have gone on for even longer right there. The audience missed out on their moment to all be doing it. Some of them would still do it, but like to, if they could have done it how ECW guys in the crowd did it as a sea of energy together, it would have looked even cooler for sure. So, um I was pumped to see Rob, you know, and Rob's promo was, you know, I might just take that belt off you. And I have a uh, history of retiring belts, buddy. Look it up. So I might just retire the FTW belt. And I don't think that's a bad idea. I think there's a lot of fruit left on the tree to actually get 
Jack Perry over by putting him up against ECW legends, not just Rob. I think Bully Ray had a great point for him, Tommy Dreamer, but Rob's a, an excellent choice. You know, it's not like you're settling really for anybody there. But I think it will be Rob over and he retires the title. But um, I think we could do a couple matches out of this with ECW legends and get Jungle Jack Perry into a hardcore ECW match. And then he goes over in the end after he takes his ass whippings from the boys, but he'll at least get the shine. He's if he's not willing to do the 90210 stuff, okay. This is not a bad position to be in. Would you rather be facing Sammy Guevara or somebody else where they're just getting their shit in and the match doesn't mean anything? Or would you rather get the shine from guys who've been in the business for 30 fucking years who've got the built-in nostalgia and now your match is being watched and all you got to do is do what's been done a thousand times before to get over. I can relate to this because I didn't do it 90 style. I mean, I've had a couple hardcores and I've worked dreamer, but most of the time when I get over is going back to the eighties, getting to do hacksaw stuff, Piper stuff or Doug and stuff. So I've gotten the, the legends rub in my career for the exact same fucking reason. Now I had built in nine 11 heat and, and war fatigue heat. And I can play that card anytime I want. Thankfully, the guys I'm going against are all Americana, whether it's Dick Justice getting the rub from all those same guys I just mentioned, you know, and us getting over that way. So this is a real opportunity for Jungle Boy. I hope he realizes that getting to work Rob Van Dam like this is <laughs> one of a kind chance in a lifetime, you know. Uh, so hopefully all the investment that they're paying Rob. And I hope Rob <laughs> lined his pockets big because I can see, you know, what do you want for three, five appearances we want you for in the next year? A million bucks. I think Con would pay that half a million. I got to believe he would, you know what I mean? So I like this segment. Why I'm a huge ECW fucking Mark. And that's not a problem. One thing that I was like, ah, I don't know if they fucked it up or not, but I've been in these situations too. Once with hacksaw, and it wasn't me, it was my tag partner that got the heat, but whatever, it won't bury him. Um, heck, uh, RVD hits the ring, and Jungle Jack Perry should then powder and get the fuck out. Instead, he stands there till we get the face-off, and he should still powder. I'm like, okay, we're doing the face-off. And then Rob actually has to go like this to him and give him like a ver like a visual cue of get the fuck out of the ring you're burying me the longer you stay in here right and uh then they go at it rob does the spinning jump kick flawlessly to show that not only has he not lost a step he may even be more impressive um and then jungle jack fucking powders out does kind of a cha-cha thing i don't know whose family it was at ringside with the little girl and the hottie wife but uh like tries to do a human shield with the little girl. Mm, that's not his spot right there after coming out talking tough. So uh, that, that stuff can just be on the fly where you're worried. Oh, I might've bumped into the little girl. I better do something to save face and being in the moment and being a green uh, performer to some degree, not what he should have done there, but whatever the, the, the main choice is that Rob Van Dam is here. Oh my God. Right. Oh my God. So I like this segment and I tip my hat to him. Uh, I, I really wanted to see Jerry Lynn whip the fuck out of jungle boy though. You know, cradle pile driver, the whole nine. So, um, I need a water break here. Voice is starting to go after three hours of podcasting.
I get it. He's a heel, Zane Vicious, but that's uh, a chicken shit, weird heel thing to do where he's supposed to be the cool guy who's the new era and doesn't give a fuck. It's, it was the wrong heel move. It was the wrong heel move. He should have just beelined it and jumped over the, the railing and been in the, in the crowd. And then everybody around him is doing RVD just points to him and he's freaking out about it. You know what I mean? I would have had all that set. I would have had indie workers there uh, right to where he was going to jump. That looked like fans. Rob's going to get up on the corner and then everybody's going to be around jungle boy and do this and get everybody going. And that's where we get the reaction of jungle boy of like, Oh shit, I'm in Rob Van Dam, uh, you know, surrounded by fans. So pulling the little kid in front of him was uh in the moment call that wasn't. Eh. Oh, then we get uh Pentile zero uh, Mado versus Moxley versus Trent. Um, this was uh interesting because it's not like the rest, but every match until our main event was either a tag or multi-man match. And I think that is not the best call, even though this is a triple threat. There's plenty of other guys that get involved and get their shit in. So it feels like uh, a shitty six kind of. So even though they're on the outside doing stuff, it was interesting. But this match, the, there's a lot of things where I was like, Ugh, obviously we're in the second match getting color because this guy can't work without fucking getting color because – I don't know. I uh, just can't get over. <laughs> he can't, has to come through the crowd because he can't get over, you know, like uh, all this dumb shit. But in the beginning, man, when they start fighting out in the audience, those were massively stiff shots. I'm they, they tuned each other up. Wheeler Yuta, I think he was throwing on orange Cassidy. He hit him with like four or five fucking serious right hooks to the side of the head, bro. And you could see he was fucked up from it. And um, somebody else was getting beat down hard there too, whether it was Beretta or not. But uh, this is kind of the new thing of like, they're all marks for Japanese strong style. So they start out with wicked hard forearms and give each other half-assed knocked out concussions. And then they're like, then they go, oh, you know what? Fuck it. I don't want to get hit for real. Let's start working. But now you're half concussed and you got to, <laughs> your brain's rattled and you're dizzy as shit. And you got to go back into the 90 spots that you planned in the back. But you got your Japanese strong style bullshit over where you actually hit a guy instead of working and protecting each other. So good job, everybody. No, that shit is dumb, wrong, and stupid. I'm guilty of it recently, too, when I slapped uh, my opponent across the face and sent him reeling. And then I got it back the next match because my next opponent, <laughs> I didn't met him in a called in receipt, did the same thing to me and dropped me right to the ground. And I was half-ass knocked out. Now I got to finish the match. So whatever they think they are doing this strong style bullshit, they're marks for themselves. This is supposed to be phony, but look real. Instead, they're throwing real shots and then they got to go back after they're hurt and go, we better start doing phony stuff. So th this is Mark 101 for yourself when it comes to the wrestling side of it. And this wrong style, dong style has got to fucking go. They're stupid for doing it. Um, and a guy I like a lot, man. I think uh, Trent Barrett is a, a great dude who really gets it and is WWE style trained and, uh, you know, has 
a lot of leading man qualities and is sometimes held back by the best friend stuff. I feel, you know, um, I was nervous in this match because this guy just had major neck surgery in the last year and they're fucking giving him shit off the top rope through fucking tables inverted on his head. I'm going, who is, is going, you know what? Yeah. Beretta's back. Let's do this to him. Let's give him a fucking cradle pile driver through a table off the second. Dude, if anybody I know I've ever worked with has had neck fusion surgery, we're staying away from anything that could possibly hurt his neck at all. I'm not doing a hangman on the top rope. I'm not doing snake eyes. I'm not doing DDTs. I'm probably not even doing suplexes to to be like, I'm not going to be the guy who cripples this motherfucker and puts him in a wheelchair where we got to stop the match, throw the X up and he never walks again. Fuck that. I'm not going to be him. Uh, and But apparently, Moxley and fucking Penta got no problem possibly being that guy. And you, sometimes guys like Beretta, they want to get over and put on a great show. And this is, he's kind of the leading man, even though, you know, you got Orange Cassidy, who you could argue is more over in the click, obviously. But Beretta's got the most superstar quality about him. So this is a bigger spot for him. And I understand why he would want to go, yeah, I can do it. I can do it. But sometimes, bro, you got to protect these guys from themselves because that shit is just insane. And I say this to my students, and it's Rip Rogers 101. The threat of violence is just as important as the violence itself. Okay. What does that mean? It means we can tease anything. I'm going to fucking pick you up to power bomb you. You uh, give me punches while you're up there and come back down. We teased powerbomb in the, in the crowd's mind. They fucking, they didn't need to see the powerbomb, but powerbomb registered and you got out of it. We can play this game all day. Pick them up the powerbomb, three phony punches. Boom, you sell. While you're selling your face, Trent picks you up to, to body slam you. You slide out the back. Now that now we've teased body slam and push him off. Trent turns around. You throw the clothesline. Trent ducks one so he doesn't hit his head. Comes back off the ropes. And then you turn around, feed, and take one drop kick and take a safe bump. Now we've teased power bomb, slam, and clothesline. And nobody needed to take a bump at all. But in the crowd's mind, all three of those moves registered. That but if these guys will go take a power bomb, feed back up, no sell it. You slam me, I'll no sell that. I'll clothesline you. You fucking nip up and then hit me with a drop kick. So now everybody's taking a bump. Nothing meant nothing. And fucking, we didn't tell any story of back and forth. So it's it's fucking insane, bro. Like uh that that they wouldn't protect Trent like that or protect possibly Trent from himself and be like, yeah, dude, neck fusion surgery. Fuck it. Put him through a table on his head. Pisses me off a little bit, to be honest with you, because this CZW bullshit, this fucking GNW or whatever they're doing, just because everything's got to have tax and everything, because you don't know how to work. You don't know how to connect with the audience that everything has to be some weird blood thing. And they said it in the chat. And I, I agree with this too. This guy fighting the demons in the clouds or whatever the fuck he's doing. You're traded one addiction for another. You traded alcohol to numb the pain of politics and not wanting to play the game. 
for the sadomasochism of spotlight addiction at any cost. Neither are healthy. Neither are healthy. Um, let's see. Uh, they all hit each other until Moxley nails a King Kong lariat to Beretta. Why not? And then a paradigm shift to Penta. However, Beretta runs in with a knee strike on Moxley and steals the win by covering Penta. So I was happy that Trent got over. What's that going to do? I mean, right away, the match breaks down. Claudio and Wheeler Uter are brawling, brawling Chuck Taylor, Orange Cassidy. And then this is where what's interesting to me. The way those guys, this is all I can think of. They were trying to put stuff together in the back. This is all hypothetical. They're trying to put stuff together in the back. Guys want to do one thing and other guys want to do another. There's not arguments, but like, you know what the fuck. Let's just start and make it look strong and they're pissed off at each other. They do. Guys are punching each other for real. We slow down. But because things didn't go the way that you wanted them to or some bullshit, uh, then we're going to start burying people's stuff. Orange Cassidy feeds in at the end of this match, hits Moxley with the Superman punch. That should be a bump right there. What does Moxley do? A little stumble and bumble, Terry Funk, then feeds and powders out through the second rope. And then is right back on the fight once again. That, to me, means that I don't respect you enough to sell your finish right there. And there's something else going on that, fuck that. I'm not putting that guy's shit over. To me, from what I saw with the hot start and the serious punches in this was possibly Blackpool Combat Club going, fuck those guys, dude. If they fucking say anything, I'll fucking light them up. Like, this is the hypothetical weird shit that I see in matches as possibilities based on excessive violence or no selling another guy's shit because this is all phony. We're all making a check and we all want to work next week. However, if you don't, if you're too strong to bump for my Superman punch, now you're saying, fuck you. I I'm more over than you and I'm not selling your shit, Briz. Oh, okay. Thanks dude. I'll make sure the favors return. Then you're a great locker room leader. Don't worry when it's your time to look strong. <laughs> uh, when you slam me on a bed of nails, I'm going to fucking get right up and go, oh, that didn't hurt. I get out of bed every morning and fucking take a bump on a bed of nails. What else you got? Why don't you cold cut yourself with a fucking pizza cutter? You know what? Cut your face off, put it on the back of your head, and we'll just call you blood face. That'd be a fucking good one for you. <sighs> like there was things in this match that, that, and you know, Johnny Publix, Johnny Hardnett was in the chat last night too. And he was seeing some things as a worker that it just, something was rotten in Denmark there. Something went on to cause some of that shit in that match. So keep an eye out on the sheets uh, to see if there's any fallout that word is there was an argument beforehand or even afterwards that if there's a stooge of like, he stiffed him for real and da, 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 but you know, Something stuck out in that to me, but for them to not protect Trent from himself or to call those spots that pissed me off, dude. I think I've told the story because you know, it, it's very much very similar huge ECW fan. I've established that and we get big sale to turn obviously conspiracy horsemen way more important than the full blooded Italians. Uh, <laughs> so it's sale turns on the FBI but in that match, I got fucking Nunzio and Tony Mamaluke with me, right? Uh, that were facing off me, GGP, and and Stevie versus the FBI. Dream come true for me as an ECW fan, and love Big Sale with all my heart, you know. Fucking 
Mama Luke's like, you want to give me a backbreaker? Da, da, da. The dude is in the ring telling me this with a fucking full back brace on and his back is super screwed up. I think he was in a wheelchair for like three months at one time, dude, that his back was so jacked. I go, give you a backbreaker. Are you out of your fucking mind, bro? I'm going, I'm not going to be the guy who paralyzed fucking Tony Mamaluke. I go, if we got to get heat on the back going into the finish, I go, and it was, I think his upper mid back. I go, dude, I'm going to grab you low, you post, and I'm just going to hold you in a bear hug until it's time for you to work your way out and beat the fuck out of me. He's like, oh, okay, that's fine. But this is my point. Sometimes guys want to do such good business for the other dude. They're such good dudes. But really, you're putting me in a position to be like, fuck that. I'm not going to hurt this guy. And other guys might even be testing you of like, you know, will this guy hurt me? Nah, uh, dude, <laughs> I'm not going to be the one, you know. But last night, they were ready to be the one. That's for sure. Uh, caught me, Mick. Uh, MJF speaks. Wow. Boy, did he. Boy, did he, bro. Um way too long of a promo baby face uh gets the crowd to chant you're our scumbag makes his satan references but plays baby face the whole time talks about his battles with adhd and there's an add chant and rsd which is some other thing where he can't take negative criticism because it makes him shut down and all this and i'm just sitting there going Jesus Christ, did they fuck these kids up from the, the millennial generation, feeding them pills, helicopter parenting them, telling them, no, it's not, it's not your fault. You have a brain condition. Everything you do is good. You don't have to listen to outside criticism if it makes you sad and tells a story about kids at high school throwing quarters at them. So, so we have an anti-Semitic victim story as well where I didn't mind that. I kind of popped for it as a heel because if I was facing MJF, guess how I'm winning? Fistful of fucking roll of quarters, and then I'm taking them out and dumping them all over them at the fucking end like the money changers. <laughs> and I would have dudes in, on, at ringside throwing quarters in at them too. I'm going, who the fuck is throwing quarters at this guy? He went to high school in Long Island. Was it other Jews at your high school in Ron Konkuma fucking throwing Port Jeff throwing quarters at you? Because it couldn't have been the four black kids that they fucking bust in for affirmative action at that time, right? So these stories where I'm now the victim, I'm I'm now the anti-Semitic victim, and I have RSD and ADHD, and I, and I took pills since I was like, you know what you needed more than anything at that time? Same thing my father gave me because I grew up as an 80s kid, not a fucking 2000 spoiled little brat, and that's a fucking swift open hand fucking strike upside your head the first time you do some dumb shit like that or you're complaining and you can't do this and wah 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 you get you know fucking uh stub your toe uh and you're crying about it my dad would go bite down on your thumb bite down hard hard as you can ah uh, ah uh, you're biting down your thumb it hurts does it hurt it hurts dad does your toe hurt anymore no good <laughs> and get the fuck back to work this, this ADHD, when I was a kid, they called them hyperactive kids or whatever. They weren't fucking putting them on all on Prozac and lithium and Ritalin. And that's all invented by Pfizer to have an entire generation go. Pharmacology is the way to deal with all of my shortcomings as a human being. And instead of uh, what, what wasn't leave it to beaver till fucking uh, the 90s. 
snoops upside your fucking head and that negative reinforcement of, hmm, maybe I won't act like that again. Otherwise, the side of my face will be throbbing because I was a dumb bastard and that's not how a real man acts. And that's what this comes down to. I'm watching children who've never chopped wood, carry water, had to work a hard day's work in their life, who've been on TV since they were six years old, now complain and make us want to feel empathy for them. I look at them and go, you are a pussy. You are not prepared for life. Your parents failed you. You are the failure of society. And now you have to carry around a belt to justify your own existence. You're not saying I'm the best. You're saying I'm, it's okay to be vulnerable. No, we want to live through a champion. We want to be champions on our own life. We tune out of our shitty lives where we're not champions and have to pay the bills and chop wood, carry water every day to live vicariously through you. And now we're going from, oh, I'm a heel to, boy, I was just the anti-Semitic victim in this whole thing and I just can't handle it. Can't handle anybody talking bad about me or anything like that. As a heel, guess what that says to me? I'm going to find a very smart way to pluck all of those strings. I'm not going to come right out and go <laughs> on some fucking Nazi shit on, on that, right? But I'm going to find some smart ways to make the tribe of Levi, <laughs> the Lions of Zion, look very, very culpable. Whether it's Hollywood elites, whether it's Long Island elites, bagel jokes, a roll of quarters, uh, Hava Nagila Hava, I don't give a fuck. But I'm going to find a way to pluck that that little string because he wants he wants that bruise touch. These they love touching bruises. These fucking twenty somethings. Ow! Why did that hurt? Ow! Why did that hurt? You know why it hurts. And I'm going to make it hurt even worse. You know what I mean? So all you're doing is giving a heel who's got any balls left on him, which I don't know if there are any in that company, so much ammo to rip you apart. And you're definitely going to sell for it online because you just can't help yourself. You just can't. So, uh, yeah, dreidel shot for the finish. I like that. That'd be strong. Uh, you know, <laughs> matzo ball soup, drown them in a big bowl of it. I don't give a fuck. Uh, <laughs> and then cue my best friend. Out comes Adam Cole. Okay. What's he got to say? Here's a little tip. Don't cut the sleeves off your shirt unless you got arms to go with them. And you don't. <laughs> and so they make the match with the best friend's buddy that you're going to get not a match, but the match at Wembley stadium. And we hug and I'm going to win. And we do little fucking Eskimo kisses. And it's also homoerotic and strange. And nobody looks like a pro wrestler. I want to live vicariously through neither of these people. I have heat with neither of them. The only thing I have heat with is that they are children, man, children, in the ring at this point, I would trust them to do next to nothing task wise. So to announce that as your Wembley stadium main event, and you look at this guy and go, dude, 95% of the farm boys in my high school would fucking tune this guy up. Both of them, both of them in fucking under 30 seconds, they would be laid out blood pouring out of their mouth. <laughs> and, and I'm supposed to believe this is the main event for Wembley. You got to be fucking kidding me, bro. It was, and and this, this scene didn't end. It just went on and on and on and on. And it was not good. It was, it really wasn't. So 
whatever they're trying to do, whatever this soft ass soy boy Comic-Con, why can't we be friends shit is, is not good in wrestling. And nobody got over from that point. And what's coming? Is he going to go, ha ha, I'm the dark Jew that you always knew I was, Satan worshiper, and I'm going to turn on my best friend. Or are they actually going to try and have a baby baby match in Wembley and make it as I love you, bro, as possible for who that has no teeth, bro. None whatsoever. Um, it, it was bad, bro. It was bad. And all the RSD and all the ADHD. I just, I know there's people with a lot of mental issues out there and maybe inherited and whatnot, and maybe suffering from this. I just can't relate to it. And if, if I was, uh, treated with uh the baby helicopter parent kid gloves that they were maybe i'd be fucked up too and maybe i'm fucked up in my own way thinking that if you step out of line that the fear of getting your ass smashed or your head smacked up the side of your fucking head will keep you from doing something you know that might be the old school way of parenting but i'd sure as fuck rather be me in that way instead of going i can't deal with negative criticisms <laughs> you're fucking world champion. You're telling people that you're scared of what they fucking think of you. We got big problems in River City. Mmm. Fucking babies. Uh the elite, the the elite versus Jeff Jarrett, Jay Lethal, and Sottenham saying, Wow, I really love this match, to be honest with you, you guys. Um, here I've seen the young bucks do their things in 2CW against the best of the best. And I was criti critical of them many times with the no sell super kick and a lot of early on spot stuff, but they've really got their match dialed in and can plug almost any, any tag team into their six man or them working with somebody else in a shitty six that the bucks really have it down in how to take guys out, get their comeback, look strong. And even versus guys that are bigger and more, you know, uh, well-versed than them. I've seen them do it. And this match was a true Young Bucks excellent match. And to combine the Memphis style of Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal and then have to get the green Jolly Green Giant over, the guy's green as grass, right? But he's an athlete, but just looks so impressive in the ring. I think we could have made him more double chokes and getting him up there, the threat of violence they could have posted, then both kicked him in the chest and he drops him and they bend him over that way and fucking get some shit on him. Yeah, bend him over, get some shit on him, pal. Um, but uh, I thought they did a great job chopping him down. Single super kick, single, single super kick, double super kick. Jeff Jarrett got all of his stuff in. They worked the heat on Jay Lethal, and uh, I really, I really like this man. I thought this was a, a great Young Bucks match, and Omega too. Uh, the pose down, I loved when uh, Jarrett and uh, Team Jarrett got in there and did the pose down and the Omega stuff. Those are the things that the Bucks know that, all right, you guys do it. But depending on who you switch into those, it, it's cool if it was Blackpool Combat Club doing it, it would look like whatever, right? Them ribbing them. But when you see the Memphis guys and the Giant doing it, that's a great stage picture. That's a great stage picture, and I, I really enjoyed it. And I thought, you know, with the Bucks or the Elite going over, um, Hardy Boys appear, attack Sanjay Dutt. Sanjay Dutt with his overacting character-wise – when they hit him with the one thing on the outside and he does his big flop sell because Sanjay's a great worker too. There's no doubt about that. Sometimes his overacting can be dialed back just a little bit, but when it takes bumps like that, 
the overacting means something because the bump means something. So you could argue it either way with him, but he he's been doing this shit for 20 years. So, um, I thought Sanjay's bump on the outside of that popped me a big two. Uh, Adam Page with a buckshot lariat and Omega finishes off with a one-winged angel on lethal. I liked the shit out of this match. I thought everybody shined character-wise. Everybody had their specific spots, and the cameramen were were on it. Oh, I got to go back uh, to put the heat on production. There's one time in there where uh, MJF is doing the – and our new shirt's out as well, isn't it, buddy? You can get it on AEWshop.com. He's looking right at the camera to get the mugging of it, and he gets the lines out. They're still on him hard cam. He's looking this way. Then right at the very last two words, they cut to the camera that they should have cut to 10 seconds ago, and fucking he finishes and looks back at the other camera. Like they're chasing him. They can't get him on there. He was standing right there with the shot framed up, giving it to you. If MGF does one thing really well, it's break the fourth wall uh, and and get the like waka waka Shawn Michaels shot that he used to do too. And production, I don't know if they were all out back smoking with Tony earlier or not, but they couldn't fucking get anything right during that, it seemed. Um, but then in this Bucks match, they were right on. So maybe somebody was taking a smoke break and then came back in. Who knows? Uh, but I, I was impressed with this match because – I just try and watch Double J because he he has so uh, there's no movement wasted. He's he's in the middle of the ring. He has guys working around him. He can work a new school style, but it's still Memphis uh, in in the cell and the reaction. And uh, I, I try and pick up something from him because I don't think I appreciated him work rate wise as a fan of what I see now. Um, you know, just I would like to be at that level where. No wasted motion. That's what uh, Double J is really best at, man. Yeah, it was it was a good match. I like the shit out of this. Uh, probably my favorite. Probably my favorite segment on the show. Uh, winners, the the elite. Uh, Page says they've re-signed with AEW. They're happy to be here. Uh, here's to the next 200. Omega says whether it be Dynamite, Rampage, ROH, or even Collision, you'll see more of them. So, saying they're going to cross over to Collision. Are we actually going to get Omega versus Punk, which should be the real main event at Wembley? Because nobody gives a fuck about Adam Cole versus MJF because the only thing MJF can do with that is he'll turn on him. Or there needs to be a run into upset that match. It's going to be a bigger tag blood feud, but I don't see that anywhere. FTR doing something. They'll just get heat on him afterwards, whoever wins, and then it'll be buddies up. Uh... A video package is shown of A.R. Fox and Swerve Strickland showing up as Nick Wayne trains and they jump him in who he's working with, leaving Wayne a bloody mess. Well, that's a short write-up. I thought this was damn good, too. Um, Swerve and A.R. Fox show up at the Buddy Wayne uh, Academy, which is really the garage that was on the late great Buddy Wayne's house uh, that Nick had been posting his hours of training on there, and they were showing up for training. They get on him early. They smash him over the head with a picture of him and his dad. Um, then they take his phone. This was kind of weird. So there's a lot of color, buddy Wayne's bloody, but we already saw Moxley bloody in the second match because, you know, he had to bleed this blood that pissed me off. This blood would have went meant way more if Moxley could have not gigged for one match. And this was the first color we had on the show, but greedy got to get my shit in. I make the most money. Who's Nick Wayne. Fuck him. I'm over. You're not over. Welcome to pro wrestling. Right? So but Nick Wayne's got a ton of color on him. And then they got to call Darby Allen on his phone. 
And instead of having facial recognition after they beat the fuck out of them or just having the phone unlocked, they make Darby punch in the passcode. I'm like, oh, that wasn't good. Uh, they should have just had the phone unlocked and good to go or didn't fave it. Um, but then they call um, uh, they call Darby Allen and he's like, hey, what's up, Nick? He's like, it's not Nick, it's AR, motherfucker. Da, da, da. I like that. And then Swerve kind of cuts the promo of like, you didn't pay respect when you got your contract and now we're the ghosts of your past come to haunt you and then gets a mogul embassy forever. Like when you say those things, what are, what are some buzzwords? Mogul embassy forever. Like that shit is a, as Conan would say, a Jojo way to end the promo because they had them. They had them with good show. Don't tell. They had them with what WWE doesn't do, which is get the fuck out of the arena. They did. I was in somebody's very relatable blue collar garage it, it was seemed like that and those guys showing up and they got great heat on these guys with color. And, uh, I thought this was really good. There's just a couple things like the, after you kick the shit out of the guy, don't make him punch his fucking passcode in the phone, you know, all that kind of shit, dude. So, um, but good on those guys getting out of the arena. And I thought Nick Wayne did a good job in his cell. And I really liked the picture of buddy Wayne and Nick as a young kid and, and uh you know swerves like uh i think he didn't say that's apropos but it was apropos and they put it down so buddy wayne the late great buddy wayne gets a a picture of himself on aew i think buddy wayne would have looked at this with a lot of pride man oh my spam risk um so you know i I like this too so kind of a good match followed up with a a good pre-tape outside of the arena and if WWE won't do it, I'm glad they're going, what's WWE not doing that we could do that? Here's what, uh, and maybe you guys who've watched Rampage and Collision, maybe I should listen to my own show instead of putting it on you guys. Uh, <laughs> the young lady who did the awesome rap stuff from QT Marshall shit, that blew me away one week, and we haven't seen her in two weeks since then. I don't know if they're doing anything with Scissor Me Daddy and the Acclaimed and her on other shows. But, dude, she stole the show with that produced hip-hop shit, and we need to capitalize off that. It's already kind of gone cold, so if I'm not following on the other shows, but I haven't seen or heard anything about her, and that was a spectacular moment. You know what I mean? So, oh, yeah, it was Nick Wayne calling me. Why are you burying me, bro? Because you're a kid. You'll get it. Don't worry. (laughs) Oh, water break. My voice is going. Oh, yo, um, Harley Cameron. Thank you, Todd Bradley. And I, I agree with you, Todd Bradley. I like where they might go with Swerve and AR Fox. I like it too. I just don't like things like mogul embassy. Well, if you're a mogul, that means you're, uh, and, and you know, Swerve's got a lot going on, media and hip-hop-wise and, and whatnot. So he could consider himself a, a man, man-made mogul there. Uh, but embassy, um, are you the ambassador to... A foreign country are you did you take Khashoggi spot no do are we not smartened up on this do you have an embassy do you own embassy suites it makes no sense whatsoever the mogul embassy uh very stupid and very uh not um you know hip-hop uh plus we already had those the fucking pecker woods uh that, that got fired right there were the white guys that were in it and that never had a match and he retired zero and zero good stuff 
Um, then we get uh, kind of a strange match here, and I was like, this is where the booking uh, isn't um, the best. We've had a lot of multi-man matches tonight. Started with a tag, went to a three-way, came back to a six shitty six, and now we're doing another tag. Tag, 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 tag. Mm, shouldn't, have, shouldn't have had it. Plus, we had Moxley with color before this Nick Wayne seg. Moxley's color would have been okay here. They should have switched this match with the three-way with Trent Moxley and uh, El, um, Zero Mierdo. Um, so to just have a straight-up ROH Tag Championship match after we've seen color and color, you know, these guys are going to do awesome Lucha shit, but I would have done that in the second and saved the blood for more. What If you're going, what means more, color or flips? Color means more, okay? Flips are cool, and it's a, and it's the WCW Lucha division. I'm down with it. It should have gone in the spot where that other match was. So we, we booked something out of order here. We could have played that card uh, later. Um, but Aussie Open puts over Commander and uh, Alijo de Vikingo. Big for as big as those guys are, those Aussies, they really shined uh, guys who are super small but athletic really well through the first kind of two-thirds of this match until they started getting their power shit in. And when they did, it was safe, but it looked really good. Uh, as un unlike the <laughs> the triple threat match earlier where things look stiff as fuck and <laughs> they probably were, you know. Um, but awesome spots in this. The guys were on the top rope. They run at each other, do a fucking tandem moonsault off the top rope. I was just like, Christ, I've never seen that one before. Um, um, all kinds of hurricane ranas jump over the guy, hit the other guy with the fucking rana while you flip out. Um, I like the name Fletcher. I like that old school name. There's, uh, one of the founders of my hunting camps, the name was Fletcher and, uh, you don't hear that name much. Uh, I, I like that. Uh, although, uh, my guy, uh, what was his fucking Gavin Garrison, the professor Gavin Garrison was Fletcher something when he was in his porn name in uh, FCW was Fletcher something. I can't remember what it was. Uh, Aussie Open turns things around outside the ring, grab opponent, run up the ring, and sandwich them together. Commander lights up Davis and strikes with a power champ. Provides me too much. Chopping Commander to the mat. Destro. Uh, Fletcher gets involved and drops Commander to the mat, but it's not enough to win. Um, this goes off and goes off. Uh, the two of them hit double moonsaults from the top on Aussie Open, followed by double 450 splash on Davis, only for Fletcher to break it up. Outside the ring, Fletcher Fletcher launches Vikingo into the barricade, but Commander misses with his next aerial attempt. The champs then squash him with a double claws line. That was cool. It's kind of like uh fucking uh total elimination but they just hit him in the back of the chest at the same time and you see the guy go oh kind of there's no place to run no place to hide you're just taking that impact uh the champs then squash the double claws on him before nailing another double team move slamming commander face first out of the mat they call it the coriolis effect but i just saw this from this guy on uh instagram that one of my students had me follow who does all this mma shoot like chain wrestling stuff he's good some of his stuff gets a little phony but He's like, some tag team steal this move. It was in his story yesterday. So these guys probably been doing it. But you get the guy in a double pump handle slam, and instead of taking him over, you then lift him up onto your shoulders so you got your arm laced through his crotch still, and then you flip him over, and he kind of takes a power bomb forward front bump 
um but it, it was a cool one but i was like i just saw that on instagram and the guy goes tag team should steal this move and then there it was as the finisher for this one so i don't know if they've been doing it for a while because they named it the coriolis effect because they're from australia i don't you know um but this was a good lucha match too man uh versus big guys uh style of uh quick flipping dudes and the big men put them over and put over their speed a little bit too much I think out of the gate, to be honest with you, they could have given the, the luchas less and this would have been just as fine. Um, but you got those guys and you're big bastards like that. Some of these luchas need to get start thrown straight up in the air, like pizza dough, and then just let them take their own bump. There'd be some impressive stuff where like when they're coming into something, press slams where you just boom and out the back and they, they eat shit that way. There could have been a couple spots like that in here. But all in all, this was a lot of ooh and ah for the crowd, and I thought it worked. I like Commander. I like Vikingo. And uh, these dudes from Australia look like uh, uh, very, very good. I, I like this match just in the wrong spot on the card, but but good stuff. But Aussie Open, still your ROH World Tag Team Champs. Uh, as we move on to the main event of the evening, it's Tony Storm and Hikaru Shida. For the AEW women's title here, um, you know, interesting choices. I didn't mind the match. Um, the girls on the outside were kind of too phony wrestling. We get some Sophie's Choice stuff with uh, a kendo slick stick slide at the end. But then what I got a problem with is kind of how they went into the, the finish on this because at one point uh, at the end, towards the end, Sheeta's in the corner and uh, Tony Storm comes in with a big booty attack and, you know, it's sexy and it's devastating and she feeds out and hits her with uh, the low uh, fucking DDT lowdown or whatever the fuck and it's kick out. You're like, what the fuck? That was the finish. You can, you can feel it in the finish. When, when people do what they call the dips or they overbook the finishes, sometimes it's not right and you can feel it. You can feel where you have the crowd built, you have the crowd built, you have the crowd built boom you hit the finish and then they kick out and the crowd's like oh that was the fucking finish why do we miss that there they don't they don't understand it but you feel it and to do that dip is to try and get them to a higher plateau they don't get them to a higher plateau after that you feel the finish you feel the bus go by and we didn't get on it so now we got to go back after that we stand up and start throwing forearms on each other so everything we did up to this point now means nothing we're back to 50-50 and nothing means nothing. That's a problem. If you hit a finish and it's a falsy and then we go back to 50-50, that is not good psychology. That is not good booking. And no agent should be allowing that. And if they are, they really don't understand what the fuck's going on and how to build a match to the highest peak of getting somebody over. Um, then we, uh, what happens? She don't, oh, that, then we slide the kendo stick in right in front of the ref and the ref goes, what? Why did you do that? What? Uh? Instead of going and picking it up, going, no. And while he turns around, you slide the other kendo stick to do the fucking damage. Instead, we just look stupid. She lets her have it and then gets down on her knees like, hit me to DQ me, please. I dare you. It's your choice. Are you so mad? Don't you want to hit me? And I would win the belt that way. The fucking... Now, we're, now we went from a hardworking match, just a complete anime omega bullshit 
we're we're so new japan we're so fucked over in what is good psychology and storyline and writing they had him on the hip attack in the finish and now we're just crapping in our hands hoping to save it hoping that these fanboys with or i don't even know what their pronouns are the skittle head morons in the front row with the sign that goes i hope both wrestlers are just having fun in there you're done here you're the you're the problem with wrestling <laughs> you don't you think you're so smart that this new inclusivity of wrestling is was we still need heroes and villains you fucking skittle-headed moron and the fact that they feature these people and like the signs of you know that are all so lgbtq political the people want escapism from this shit they don't want to be spoon-fed it over and over again why would you allow those things after what happened to bud light after what happened to target and like to keep pushing this fucking narrative it's it's absolutely asinine if you want to fucking go watch your anime and pretend that you can shoot lightning bolts out of your fucking cock and that your mom told you you were special while you were playing Halo and that's why you're so great because you color in the lines, good for you. Go to Hot Topics, buy all the stupid hair dye you want and be the little wafy, never lifted a weight, uh, never been in a fight and fucking nerd that you've always been. But don't expect the rest of the world to have to kowtow to this. You want superheroes, we got to be superheroes. Why? Because your nerd's ass hair could never be one as much as you want to be. You're just not made of that stuff. And no heroes and villains go, I hate you. I hate you too. But you know what? We're having fun while we do it. (laughs) Helicopter parenting 101, dude. The worst. And they're the reason why this business and why these matches are the absolute shits. And why these finishes get booked the way they do. And then they go, and then they're, well, no, this is the best wrestling. No, it's not. And you, that type of mentality is pervasive in dictating to how the booking gets done now. And it's, it's a 2% minority. If that they're getting to have say because of the mind games, they're playing with the talent online. When it should be, no, you sit there, shut the fuck up and take what I give you because I tell the story. I'm the conductor. I direct the symphony. I write the music. You sit there and listen to it. Uh, Then we get an even stupider thing after the forearm. Fucking Storm sprays Sheeta in the eyes with spray paint and connects with the Storm Zero. Kick out. Now the heel is doing what a heel is supposed to do. Cheat. Hit the finish. That's the finish. Instead, Sheeta rolls through because even while she's blinded and, and has taken an impact finisher, she's that good of a technical wrestler that the paint doesn't affect her, you know, and, and gets a stack pin and wins out of nowhere. This was a stupid, stupid finish. The hip attack in the corner was finish one, and they should have took it home on that. Then the heel gets to cheat. If anything, and you're going to do this spot, it's Soraya jumps up with the fucking, or Ruby Soul jumps up to distract the ref. Soraya jumps up with the paint. You hold fucking um, Sheeta. She shakes the shit up, goes to spray Sheeta. Sheeta ducks, sprays Tony Storm in the face, come back through, waist lock, schoolgirl. You know, actually, uh, right there, 
Tony Storm should sell around. Sheeta bips off fucking Soraya, then can schoolgirl her. And even there, Sheeta could win with feet on the ropes because the heels tried to cheat twice and it backfired on him. Or you could just have her be a great baby face and Tony Storm selling the fucking paint in the eyes and you schoolgirl her. And fucking, if you want to pull the tights, you could show some ass, I guess, if you wanted to. But the whole spot is wrong. The heel does not get to hit the baby and hit an impact finisher only to be reversed. They need to do the cheat. It reverses out so the baby does it. It backfires on the heels and the baby capitalizes. So the cheat meant something, but it was on the wrong person. I don't understand. This is the... the. It's not the simplest booking, but this has been done a hundred different ways. And you've got so many brilliant minds backstage that would watch that and don't correct that. Or the fact that these girls are on TV in the main event and our champions should know how wrong that is. Should know that, okay, we've got all these spots and we need to get to this and she's going over, but you don't do the cheat and then not have it work. You do the cheat and have it backfire ladies. Maybe they're that green. Maybe they're that inside the bubble. Maybe nobody's really ever taught them the right way. That's all I can think of because this shit writes itself, dude. Or nobody gives a fuck. I think Baron Bench Slomo. And I don't know why I do because it, it's uh, as long as they both had fun in there. I think that's the main main issue. I'm going to go dye my beard now uh, bright green on one side and purple on the other because as long as we're all having fun, you know, and protecting rights. That's what wrestling's all about. Oh, brutal. But in the end, we ended up with six belts total. I chose seven. And if you had under seven belts, you can uh, cash that ticket for the night. But six belts total on the show. Great time hanging out with the AEW self-help. Group. Group. And uh, y'all, uh, an hour and a half, man. Uh, there was a lot of good on the 200th episode. Uh, they did good business. I was pumped for Rob. Pump for the uh, Bucks six man, and the Luchas did their thing. Mox still no idea how to work without getting color, and very selfish in what he's doing. Jericho's story got furthered, so I would say a lot of segments here stepped up. We got to work with Tony on his comfortability on uh, on camera, and and how we get him to that point is just going to be directing him off camera and and getting him comfortable being in uh maybe not even being himself you know what i mean maybe he needs to you could help find himself a good director should be able to so uh but y'all uh, you guys uh that's gonna be it for me we're ending with 33 strong for all my masonic uh, demonics out there y'all uh i'm gonna be on pay-per-view premier tv august 12th i know some uh frank's pickle barrel ass and others are coming to join us in utica new york for immortal this is immortal uh Enzo Amore, Teddy Long, Fandango, Jorah Joel, Cheeseburger, the Sons of Allah. We're all going to be in the house, me and Blaze Haram, defending our tag titles. Going to be a great night at a brand-new facility in Utica, New York, beautiful new arena. So if you can't make it, uh, join us on pay-per-view. That'd be awesome, you guys. Um, I don't know if there's a place you can steal it. Otherwise, I'd probably stooge that off, too. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, well, I got to get ready for training here tonight. Plenty more cannabis to be done. 
And uh, thank you guys for subscribing to channelattitude.com uh, and tuning in here live if you're with us on YouTube or Twitch, subscribing that way. So, um, but what else going on, you guys? Not much. Uh, just another busy week. Hopefully, you get it all tuned up and have a good weekend. Uh, we'll be here bringing you all the shows, plenty of shows to upload right now. Next level review the Impact Attack and the Friday Locker Room with Strangler Steve. Right now, live on our Podbean, I just put up the Wednesday Locker Room. Ran out of time yesterday, so that's up there for your SummerSlam preview. Guys are working hard, but uh, thank you so much for joining us. Who knows, Saturday night, maybe I'll be going live uh, on Twitch for SummerSlam for Watch Along as well. just depends on how much I got done and what the wives want to do. So, YOLO, infidels, it's Hacker Hameen. It's like the fuse. You know what we want. No bread, no water, just meat. That's all he wants. That's all he needs. Ding dong.